Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, the flowers here up front are left here by the family of Dennis Bridges. Uh, Dennis passed away this past week, Uh, been a member of this church for many, many, many years, and uh, so we ask you to pray for the family as they go through this uh, very difficult time. Also, uh, we have a, many of you, uh, hopefully if you're a guest here this morning, you felt welcome, uh, but we have a guest that's probably come the fathers to our service today. Uh, I'm going to pick on him here. Uh, Paul is here with us, uh, sitting there with Quint. He's from Romania. He clawed Romania. It's good to have him to here today. Uh, our church has done many mission trips to Romania, and uh, Florine Mearsheim, many of you know Florine, was actually his pastor at one time, and so we won't hold that against him. We'll just pray for him even more, No, but uh, Florine's a wonderful man, and uh, uh, we're so glad to have Paul here with us this morning. Well, today I want to talk with you about the hardest, yes, yet most rewarding task many of us have been called to do by God and that is raising children. Now, I know that many of you here in this room have already taken on that task and uh, moved past that season in your life. There's some that may be here today that 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 season hasn't come upon you yet. And then there's others of you here this morning who are in the trenches right now of what it means to raise children. And and I will say this, uh, it's by far the most difficult task uh, I've ever dealt with. And I I had good kids, I mean, but it's difficult to navigate through this thing called parenting. As parents, we are called upon to lead, guide, protect, invest in, discipline, and even provide for those that God has placed in our lives and that being our children. Now think about the context in which we're raising our children. We are to do this with children who have different types of personalities. How many of you found that out to be a a difficult task? Uh, We're finding it with children who who at times are rebellious. Uh, We're dealing with children who live in a fallen world filled with temptations. And then we have the goal of raising them to love God in a world that despises God. We also have the goal of raising them to put others first in a world that's self-centered. Also with the goal of raising them in such a way that we don't pass our own dysfunction to them. So let me ask you this. Is that a challenge? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely is it a challenge. Look at the introduction there on your outline. The biggest deterrents to dysfunction in the home are love, honor, and respect. The fruits of love, honor, and respect are obedience and discipline. And so this morning, as we look to God's Word, and of course, when you take a book or a letter, especially one that Paul writes, you're dealing with all kinds of issues in that letter. And and for the first four verses of chapter 6, Paul is dedicating those verses to the whole idea of the responsibilities given to children, but yet also the responsibilities given to parents. And so look on your outline. The first thing that we see here this morning is a respect that is demanded. And of course, how's that look? By obeying, by obeying. And that is actually as it relates to our actions. So in Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 1. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, how many of you would say amen to that? Amen. And would you say that includes grandparents too? Yeah, let's put them in there too. But they are to honor. They are to honor. Now, notice that this is a command. 
Now, everything in God's universe can be boiled, that, boiled down to obedience. Humanity is, seems to be the only part of God's creation that walks in rebellion to the revealed word of God. Obedience in the home, and I think many of us would agree with this, lays the foundation for obedience throughout life. And so there are certain things that we as parents need to instill in our children, but children have a responsibility too to abide by those things that are put before them. So look on your outline. Let me give you some definitions of obedience. The first means to follow. Children must understand from the time that they are young that obedience is not an option. It is an obligation. And that must be put there. Children are to follow the lead or their parents. Second of all, another definition of obedience, to comply with. It literally means two coming together with one setting the terms of obedience, especially in the context of the home. A third uh, definition means to submit to authority. In the home, children learn respect for authority. They learn respect for teachers. They learn respect for government. They learn respect for, for the police. You know, it's sort of kind of amazing what we're seeing on the news and the disrespect that, that, that many people have for, for those who are called to protect us. And it's really sad, but what you're seeing played out in all these scenarios are the fact that many people are not born or not raised in a context of respecting authority. Now, I don't know about you, but when I came home and I got in trouble at school, guess who was to blame? My parents blamed me, not the teacher. When, 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 when people get caught up in the law, and well, so many times we want to cast blame. We don't want to take responsibility for ourselves. But you know why? Because we don't want to submit to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. And children must learn that respect of authority, that respect to obey authorities from the home. It starts in the home. In life, think of this, y'all. We will always walk under someone's authority. Ultimately, children are learning to walk in obedience to the Lord when they walk in obedience to their Lord or to their parents. Now, here's what's interesting. How many of you had the mindset that you couldn't wait to get away from your parents and grow up and, and be responsible for yourself and not be accountable to anyone? How many of you look forward to that myth? How many of you found out that you seemed to be even more accountable as you became an adult? And it's so true. And the, the context of, of where all that begins is right there in the home. Now look at the next part of verse 1. He says, children, obey your parents. And then here's the, here's the key, in the Lord. It speaks of two responsibilities. First of all, to parents, raise your children in the Lord. To children, to obey your parents is obeying the Lord. Last part of verse 1, he says, for this is right. Now, when he says this, it means that there's a difference between right and wrong. If, if not right, there must be consequences. Children must learn what is right. Therefore, there must be a standard of right and wrong. You know, what's interesting is when you look across the society and you look in our world today and you look at the whole context of, of what the world is setting up, many of us have, have heard of something called secular truth that teaches basically that there are no absolutes, that people set their own rules. That's part of the chaos that we find ourselves in as a nation and as a society. God's Word teaches that God sets the rules, and not only that, we're going to be judged by those rules. So obedience 
really, when you think about it, the whole context of it comes from truth. Next, a respect that is demanded by obeying us actions, but second of all, by honoring. And that's the whole idea of attitude. Ephesians chapter 6, if you look at verse 2, he goes on. He's not only talking about obedience in verse 1, but in in verse 2, he says, honor your father and mother. Now, where is this taken from? It's taken from the Big Ten. How many of you have heard the Ten Commandments? Well, the fifth one is this, to obey or to honor your father and the mother. Now, there's a difference between obeying your parents and honoring your parents. Obedience is outward. Honor is inward. Obedience is an action. Honor is an attitude. Now, think of this. Did you know it's possible to obey your parents without honoring your parents? Let me give you a little story. There's a little, there is a story of a little boy who was misbehaving. He told his mother, or his mother told him to go sit in the corner. He did what his mother told him to do. And so the mother, after a while, went to check on the little boy. And she said, how are you doing? And here's what the little boy said. Well, I just want you to know, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. What was that little boy doing? He was being obedient, but he wasn't being honoring obedience, and we learned this. If you were a part of our church many years ago, I'll never forget, there was a group that came to our church and, and they split us up. They had adults and, and they poured into our, us as adults. And, but our children, it's amazing what our children learned. And, and here's what they learned about obedience. Obedience is doing what you're told, when you're told, and then here's, here it is, with a happy heart. Think of that. Obedience is doing what you're told, when you're told, with a happy heart with a good disposition about what you've been told. You see, God takes the business of honoring parents very seriously. Let me show you. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, look here on the screen. Cursed is the man who dishonors his father or his mother. Would you say that's pretty serious? It's very serious. Children who honor their parents have little trouble honoring the Lord. Children who honor their parents have little trouble honoring authority figures or or really people in general. So, look on your outline. What does honoring our parents really mean? First of all, it means to give special consideration. It means that their words are more valuable than my friend's words. (laughs) It, It means that I acknowledge that they are making an investment in me and that they want what's best for me and I need to act accordingly. Second of all, what does honoring our parents mean? It means to esteem highly, to appreciate your parents for who they are in your life, to be grateful for your parents and the legacy that they've given you. I mean, think about that. I've had the privilege recently to, to do several memorial services for people. And and there's been a couple recently that really have just, uh, when you hear what the children say about their parents, uh, uh, parents who just left a a God-honoring legacy. And and, and really, it's amazing how much we take that for granted. Until you come to a time like that when you start evaluating what what parents have given to children. And and that's what you see. But it means to esteem them highly. To be grateful for parents and the legacy that they've given. Here's a third way. What does honoring our parents mean? It means to see as valuable. To see as valuable. Solomon. I don't know if you realize this, but Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. And what, what Solomon was doing is he, he was basically instructing his sons, namely uh, his children, 
in the ways of the Lord. And, and, and here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 1. Look here. He says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. It literally means to value your parents' wisdom, to value their experiences, which leads us to the next point. It means a reward that will be delivered. And there's two things that we find here in the text that Paul gives us. First of all, this reward, by days that will be lightened. By days that will be lightened. When we, when we are obedient to our parents, when we honor the Lord, there are certain things that we put in motion. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 2 again. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, here's what he's talking about. If you were to go look at the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, and you were to make your way down the list, you would come to number five where it says to honor your father and mother. And what's interesting about that is is the fact that in that one, there's a promise attached to it. If you do this, then this is what you can expect. And here's what he's saying. He's he's reiterating this in verse three. He says that it may be well with you. Now, think of this. Many have lived a very difficult life by not obeying their parents. How many of you are living proof that you did that? There was a season in your life where you did that. Oh, yeah, I think we all have been guilty of that. But the point is we need to understand that, there, that what God is doing when he says honor your father and mother, he, he's trying to put things in motion that will lighten as you make your way through the days that he's given us. Second of all, by days that will be lengthened. Not only lightened, but lengthened. In, in, in verse 2, he says, which is the commandment with promise that it may be well with you. And then he goes on, and you may live long on the earth. Solomon's continuing to give his son's uh, advice. And look at what he says in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity bring you success. You know what this implies? This verse also implies that we're capable of shortening our lives. Did you know that? How many of you know someone who shortened their lives as a result of not heeding to the parents' teaching, heeding to what's been given them? This was an interesting study I came across some years ago, but listen to this. The Minnesota, Minnesota Crime Commission issued a report that found something that the Bible's always said. Here's the report. Here's what it says. Every baby starts life as a little savage. How many of you have picked up on that? Yeah. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his siblings' toys, or whatever. Deny him these things, and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous if he weren't so helpless. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. True, isn't it? It's true. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this all the time. It's amazing how this backs up what the Bible says. For all have sin come short of the glory of God. We've all there. There's none not righteous. No, no. We're born that way. He goes on. This commission goes on. If permitted to continue to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their, to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, 
every child would grow up to be a criminal. Think about that. Think about that. We're, we're all, we all come. What's the difference many times? The shaping of that child. The raising of that child. And I don't know about you, but, 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 but that's where we as parents need to understand what we've been given. What, what's, what, what the task that we've been given. Here's what all this means. Children, you must submit to your parents or those God has placed in your lives as a partner with God to mold you into the person God's called you to be. But not only that, parents, it is your responsibility, our responsibility with the Lord's guidance to shape our children's behavior. We've been called to do that. Here's, here's another thought. Look on your outline. A respect that is deserved. You see, we can make it easier on our children to respect us. Did you know that? We, we as parents, there are certain things, even as grandparents, there are certain things that we can do that will get, give them the platform for them to better listen to us. And, and there's three things. Number one, by investing in our children. By investing in our children. In Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 4. He says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't bring them to wrath. Now, now, of course, that doesn't mean you can't discipline them. We're going to see that in just a moment. But, but for the task of just driving, bringing them to anger all the time, frustrating them. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 says it like this. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, provoking is the opposite of investing. Provoking is counterproductive and can be very damaging. Provoking can be both intentional and unintentional. We must take the time to invest in our children to understand them. You know that you know that's what's required to raise children effectively. We need to learn to understand them. It's helpful to know what kind of personality that they have. Did you know that 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 I was I we raised two children. We raised one child who was, who was very headstrong. I think you probably know which one that is. And, and then we, we raised one child that was very compliant. Now, here's what's interesting about how God brought those children into our lives. If we would have parented them the same way, we may have done okay with one, but we probably would have crushed the other one. I'm serious. We, we've got to look at their personalities. We have, to, we have to understand our children, their likes, their dislikes, their personality, what motivates them, what are their passions. You just can't. It's, when it comes to parenting, it's not one size fits all. It's looking into their life. How many of you are glad that God takes the time with us in that way? He knows us. He, the, he, the way he responds to us is in a way, not, not that we're calling the shots, but he seeks to know. I mean, think about what he did when he died on the cross. He met our greatest need. So let me ask you a question, parents, grandparents. What are the greatest needs? What, what are your children's greatest needs? What are your grandchildren's greatest needs? How can you help meet those needs? What does it look like? Here's another one, a respect that is deserved by disciplining by disciplining in our children. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. He said, don't provoke them, but bring them up in the training. And it gives us two words here, but I want us to look at the word training first. Training is the idea of discipline. Discipline is an indicator of love. How do we know that? Proverbs 13. He who spares the rod, you know what the rod is, right? The spanking. He who spares the rod hates his son. 
That means you're not looking out for the best for your child. That means there's things that need to be in place. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Notice the terminology, careful to discipline him or her. Someone has rightly said, a little discipline early on can save a lot of heartache later in life. That's so true, is it? A young mother went to her pastor and said, I'm having trouble with my son. The pastor said, what's wrong? She said, well, yesterday I warmed his soup and called him for lunch, but he didn't come. The soup got cold, so I warmed it again, called him again. He still didn't come. Finally, after I warmed the soup the 10th time, I lost it and started screaming at him. What do you think my problem is? (laughs) The pastor rightly said, you're warming the wrong thing. If you had warmed the right thing, he would have come the first time you called him. So true. Discipline is good for everyone involved. Here's another one. A respect that is deserved by instructing our children. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 again. But bring them up in the training, whole idea of discipline, and the admonition of the Lord. The, the word admonition literally means, I mean, think about, oh, this is what's so amazing about this word. It means to place before the mind. It means you're going to see things that are worthwhile. You're going to see things that need to be put in your child's life, and you're going to take them, and you're going to put them before them. That's what the word admonition literally means. Many times we place before our kids' minds more things of the world than the things of God. I mean, think about what, what, the, what the, the media does right now to our children. And it comes from, and by the way, if, 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 if you're over the age of 50 or 50 or older like I am, there's so many more ways that the world is coming at your children and grandchildren than you ever faced. So many different ways, coming at all kinds of different directions. And that every time there's those directions that come to them, there's a new influence there. There's something that's literally put before them. So many times, the world drowns out anything that God wants for your child. We as parents, we have a role in that. We must place the truths of God before our children. Someone has said this, we cannot, however, impart what we don't have. So it's important that we're learning, that we're being encouraged by God's Word, that we're being led by God's Word, that we can pass it on. So look on your outline. Parenting in a nutshell is investing, disciplining, and instructing all work in unison in raising children. I must invest time in my child to see what properly motivates them, then discipline them accordingly to earn the respect to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Now, here's the application. Application normally means we're coming to the end of something. We're just beginning, okay? I want to give you something, and, and, and what I've entitled it is the costly mistakes parents made. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to step outside of Ephesians, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, now what I'm going to give you is something I've given you, this is the third time in the last six years. I went back and looked at my, looked at my notes of what I've given you, and, and I, I did what I'm getting ready to give you now in detail uh, when we did the series uh, Threats to the Modern Family. If you have someone that wants to know these in detail, just go to our website and look up 
threats to the modern family. And I did, I did what I'm getting ready to give you in two different messages, okay? And I think it's some of the information that all parents need when it comes to raising a child in the 21st century. But here's some things. Here's some costly mistakes that parents are making. And the first one is this, not seeing the big picture. Here's what's happening with many parents. They start parenting, and, and they start having their children, and they find themselves, as I started the sermon, in the trenches. What happens when you get in the trenches? You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to keep your head down when you need to keep your head down and, and deal with things as they come your way. A lot of parents don't have the big picture in mind when they're raising their children. They're just kind of surviving, just kind of going with the motions. The world says this seems to be good for the child, and they go that direction. The world says this will be good, and they go that direction. Instead of looking at the big picture, parents not seeing the big picture. But even more importantly, parents not communicating to their children the big picture. So many times, I even said this as a parent. Here's what. You tell your child something. And they ask, why? What's our favorite line? Because I said so. And at times, that may be sufficient. But it can't be that way all the time. Your children, let me just tell you this. Your children need to know where you're headed with this whole idea of raising them. They need to see the vision. They need to see what, what, what you feel responsible to God for for them. They need to understand that. The vision of it all. The Bible says very clearly in Proverbs 29, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Do you know who some of the people are? The children perish. When there's no ideas as to where this thing's headed, where there's no idea what's going on, but he who keeps the law, blessed is he. Here's another costly mistake parents make. Not making their faith relevant. Not making their faith relevant. Let me just tell you this about your faith as it relates to your children. It's got to be more than every Sunday morning we know we're supposed to be in church. That's good. That's a great discipline. But it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. It's the whole idea that you're going to demonstrate your love for God. Look on your outline. Demonstrate your love for God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Here's what's interesting. Moses is given what God's given him. And God has basically said, okay, when it comes to the next generation, the generation that you're raising up, there's certain things I want you to put into that generation. And here's what he tells them. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What does that include? Whatever fiber of your being, you love the Lord. You keep that at the top. Guess what? That needs to be demonstrated before our children. Number two, disciple your child or your children. Parents and grandparents, let me tell you this. We do. We, we live in a world in which parenting is very difficult. It is as difficult today as it's ever been. Maybe in some ways even more difficult than even when I raised my own children. But it is very difficult. And that's where grandparents can come in alongside and help disciple your children. Look at what he says in verses 6 and 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
Let it start there. Demonstrate that before your children. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. Now think about that, diligently. What does that word mean? It means intentionally. It means that this is something very important. This is something that's going to be at the forefront of your mind when it comes to raising your children. He says you're going to teach them diligently and, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Thirdly, model your faith. Model your faith. Verse 8 is very confusing to most people when you read it, but it says this. You shall bind them. Now, everything, what he's saying, you're going to take these things that I've just said. You bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, here's what the Israelites did. They took this very literally. And so they literally would take little leather boxes for those who could afford leather, and they wrapped it around their hand inside the little box were these exact words that we just read. And, and guess what? They had a box that was placed on their forehead, and they put it there too. But, but they took it very literally. But really, the terminology here that you're seeing here is a modeling of the faith that is always before you. It's out there. It's obvious that these words are happening in your life. That's what you find here. Another costly mistake parents make not knowing the difference between punishment and discipline. Proverbs chapter 13, it says this. We've talked about it before. He who spares his rod, or the rod, hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Promptly. It means that this is done intentionally. There is something that is in place here. Now, here's what we need to understand. There is a difference between punishment. When you look at the whole idea of punishment, it almost carries the idea that you're getting them back. Or they did this, it aggravates you in such a way that you just want them to know how aggravated you are. That's different than discipline. Discipline, when you really think about it, has a strategy. It has an end game. There's something that, that is hoping to be accomplished as a result of the action, okay? That's more of the idea of discipline. So let me give you the truths about discipline. Look on your outline. Children relate discipline to love and security, to love and security. How, how many of you have uh, ever had to discipline your child, or do you remember disciplining your children? And, 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 and I mean, how many of you, it just, it was painful to do? It was. I, I couldn't stand it. I didn't, I didn't like Matter of fact, I got more upset with the fact that they, made them, that they made me have to do it to them than I did with them about what they did. It was a whole idea. Why do you make me do this to you? How many of you remember those days? And, and it's that whole idea of the fact that I'm going to do this, and, and I think you need to explain this. You know what many of us say? This is going to hurt me. A whole lot more is going to hurt you. Now, let me just say this. In a lot of ways, that's so true, isn't it? It is. I mean, it, that was just heart-wrenching to have to do as a parent when it was done right. For some parents, it's not heart-wrenching. They're just coming after the child. That's not, that's punishment. That, that, that should be further. The whole idea of discipline is I'm doing this to bring my child into right standing. Do you know what I found out when I disciplined my children in the right way? That they, they literally, after I would discipline them in a way, and I did not withhold the rod, I'm just going to tell you. When I did that, do you know something? They, they, there seemed to be a greater bond between us after that. How many of you noticed that with your children? I mean, they would. 
And it's that whole idea of reassurance. There, there's a love and security that comes with it. Here, here's another truth about discipline. Children lose respect for those not using their appointed authority. They lose respect for it. That's the reason sometimes our word means nothing. They don't respect that because there's nothing to back it up. You got to back it up. <laughs> here's another one. Children appreciate rules when they understand the reason behind them. It's got to be more because I said so. It needs to be, and this is where we need to think, think through the whole idea of parenting. It needs to be, okay, you got to think through it first. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why, why do I feel it necessary to get my child's attention in this way? What is the outcome if I let it not go, if I don't get his attention or her attention? And sometimes it's helpful to explain that. I think all, in all cases it's healthy to explain it. Here's another one. Or here, here, look on your outline, the task of discipline. Here, here's, what, here's the way it needs to look. Number one, establish clear expectations. Part of it may be this. If you do this, this is what you can expect. How many of you think, man, that sounds angry. No, they need to, what is the expectation? Here's another one. Enforce expectations. Make sure you back up what the expectations being called for. Here's probably some of the best advice you can be given. Embrace tailor-made parenting. Embrace it. Tailor-made. You know what I'm, you know what it means? It, it means here, here's what many of us do when here, let's put it like this. How many of you ever bought a suit? Some of you men? Most of us, we don't have them tailor-made. We go to belts and we just keep trying on something till it fits, right? You ever been there? Oh, yeah, that's how most of us do it. Did you know some of the rich people, did you know they live in a whole different world than we live in? They go and they get fitted for their shoes. <laughs> I mean, they measure everything and it's built just, it, it, just so it can match perfectly. That's more the idea of parenting, especially as it relates to discipline, than just going and just trying on things. It's that whole idea that I see this child, I understand, I, I've, I've invested in this child in such a way that I understand their personality. And by the way, did you know that some, some children, how many of you had children like this? All, you had to, all they had to think was that you were disappointing them and it killed them. You, you ever had that child? Those are, don't you just love those children? I mean, just, just a thought. I mean, it just would just crush them. And then you, other of us have these other children. <laughs> Well, you know what I'm talking about. Just strong-willed. You got to light them up in, in order to, for them to understand where you're coming from. You, you know what I'm talking about? But, but here's that whole idea. You don't discipline one of those children like you do the other. It, it doesn't happen that way. You got to understand the child. What motivates him? Because if you, listen, if I had disciplined my daughter the way I disciplined my son, I would have crushed her spirit. I would have. I would have crushed her spirit. My son, on the other hand, he needed certain things. I had to get his attention. You, you know what I'm talking about? You got one of those kids, okay? You got to get their attention. You can't just go at it. Okay, the book says this. I'm going to do it. You got to understand the child. Next, expect testing. How many of you had children that tested you? Well, let's just see if you're serious about this. Guess what you got to do when they start testing? It comes to the next one. Execute consequences. You got to bring it about. That's the kind of love that is in discipline. Another costly mistake parents make. This is big in our day. Not instilling responsibility. When you don't do that, the result 
This is what's wrong with our country and entitlement. Feel entitled. They should be given certain things. Proverbs 29. He who pampers his son, his servant, his child, the same principle could go from childhood will have him as a son till when? Till the end. They're going to constantly, constantly be pulling from you. You've got to raise them. Parents must, listen, parents must be strategic in giving children responsibility. There's nothing wrong with a child having a sense of responsibility when they're three and four years old. I love watching what, um, uh, I don't know, it necessarily came from me and Tina, but I love watching the way my son and his daughter, uh, there's certain expectations they have of their children. They have since they were like three years old. Okay, you did this, now go over here. You need to do this. This is part of the response. I love seeing that. I'm like, yeah, that's good stuff right there. Yes, yeah, sir. Teach them that responsibility, you know. But, but you do, and it, it can't, it's got to start early. See, one of the end goals as parents, we should have as parents, is to make our children independent of us. You know that's the goal, right? But here's the sad commentary. For a lot of us, our whole self-esteem, the whole awareness of who we are is tied to being that parent, and, and, and it can create unhealthiness there. you got to realize you're raising that child. Listen, you're raising that precious little child to live dependent of you or independent of you. If they be, and it's the whole, again, it's, it's vision. It's seeing where are we going. Where's this headed? Where's it going? How do we do this? How do we make them independent? Where they're pulling their own weight. Where they take ownership and become responsible for their own lives. Here's another one. Costly mistake parents make not teaching the true value of money. Proverbs 22. Many of us know one of the verses here. I'm going to read this to you. This is not on the screen. Proverbs 22, 6 and 7. Many of you are familiar with verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know what that implies? He may get away from it for a while, but he'll, he'll get back to it. Okay? But do you know what the next verse says? The next verse is kind of tied to this. We forget this verse. Verse 7 says this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Basically, those two things go together. Let me show you some things. Look on your outline. First of all, work. Did you know work is good? Work is good. It's a sense of accomplishment. It's the avenue to true gain. And there's one thing that you can do as parents or grandparents. How many of you um, give, your, what, give what your children call an allowance? How many of you remember getting an allowance when you were a child? Some of you are like, we didn't get no allowance. We got corn cobs, what we got. No, I understand. <laughs> I was raised when parents were dabbling with allowances or whatever, okay? But did you know that that's not, that's not the way the world operates? I'm not supposed to operate, okay, where a child just kind of makes his way through life and gets a handout every now and then. You, you, when it comes to allowance, it needs to be a little different as parents. And even as grandparents, as we're looking, it needs to go from allowance to this whole idea of commission. How many of you had these charts on your refrigerator? Susie, if you vacuum the floor, you can get 50 cents this week. Bobby? If you'll go over there and dust and clean up the garage or whatever, you can get a dollar. I mean, my parents went to that. I don't know about you. And you just, hey, if you wanted something, you had to go earn it. 
There's nothing wrong with that. They need to earn that. They need to learn that stuff. Here's another one. Save a minimum of 10%. You need to, they, if we don't teach them that, they'll never catch that later until they make a ton of mistakes. So, so minimum, teach them to save. Give 10%. Minimum, teach them to give. Here's another one. Spend wisely instills a sense of accomplishment. Listen, do you know a, a child will spend more wisely when they earn what they get instead of what they're handed? got to instill these things here's another one parents make mistakes not teaching the value of authority by 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 respecting authority there's two things that happen it provides for us and it protects us if we will just learn the value of authority here's another one costly mistakes parents make not truly building self-esteem I'll be honest with you. I'm getting sick of hearing about how we got to continue to build children's self-esteem. I know there's an avenue that's important, but the way the world's going about it is wrong. Can I tell you that? It's wrong. Okay? Listen, self-esteem is a collection of beliefs or feelings we have about ourselves. That's what it is. How we define ourselves influences our motivations, attitudes, and behaviors. There are absolutely no incidences of God encouraging someone to have a better self-esteem. However, there are many places where God tells people not to think too highly of themselves. Many places like that. God's Word tells us that the problem with mankind is not thinking too lowly of ourselves, but what? Thinking too highly of ourselves. Now, the word esteem means something of value. Now, here's the key, y'all. Therefore, self-esteem literally means self-value. Value cannot be determined by the created, but by the creator. You understand? A healthy awareness of what a person is. And so, therefore, our goal as parents should be teaching our children that their value comes from their creator. Not from the world, not from a new dress, not from a new hairstyle, not from some athletic ability. We need to teach them. That's the reason it's so important they know the word. We need to teach them how God sees them. That's where our worth comes from. And by the way, the Bible says wonderful things about who we are. We're a child of a king. I mean, that's what they need to understand. They need to understand the context of who they are. The context of their value is is within what God thinks of them. And that's what we need to teach them. And that will always be the healthiest self-esteem there is. Costly mistakes parents made. I'm going to go quickly with these last two. Not identifying and developing gifts and passions. Did you know that we as Christians, especially, and, and all children, have been given certain abilities, there's certain talents, or certain giftings, and it's important that we help our children. I can't tell you how many times you have children that go off to college and they don't have a clue, and I, I was kind of that. I understand that mentality and all that, but guess what? Early on in our children's lives, we can start pointing out, helping them point out, this is what, this is what I'm seeing that God's doing in your life. This is something that, that, that it's obvious you're good at. And helping that child understand those things. Lastly, not protecting time and silence. Do you know the most uncomfortable thing that's getting worse and worse for each generation that passes? 
silence. Did you know that? You got to look at the generations before. Silence. People understood the value of silence, self-examination, reflection. As you move forward through the generations, it becomes less relevant and to the point that it's almost awkward. Silence has become almost awkward in people's lives. But you know something? That's a, and, and the enemy, if you were the enemy, that's where you would want it to go. Because it's in the stillness and the quietness of the moment that we know that God does what? He speaks into our lives. How do we know that? Psalm 46.10, be still. Jesus, God said this. He said, this is a command. Be still and know that I am God. Understand who you are in God. Busyness, look on your outline. Busyness does not show what is important. When you have families that are so busy and they're going in this direction, this direction, this direction, this direction, and they're just trying to keep up with all the world and what they think the world's doing and trying to keep up with what little Bobby Sue next door is doing and what they're doing, children don't understand priority. They don't understand what is important because they just keep doing all kinds of stuff. It's important to help them with priorities. How do you do that? By pointing out the things that we will be busy about and being very selective with those things. And then, of course, lack of silence. It just hinders growth. We need to teach our children to value silence every once in a while. Turn the TV off. Turn, and we need that as adults. We got to learn these things. So, listen. I've given you as much instruction as I can. Some of you are sitting here today and you're like, well, great day. I did that 50 years ago. I didn't even think in parenting right now. Don't even want to go that right now. You can still invest in your grandchildren. Some of you are sitting here and you haven't come to that season in your life yet. But one day you hope you, it will. Be prepared for it. Don't just react to it when it happens. Be prepared for it. And for those of you in the trenches right now, start evaluating what parenting is looking like. Start evaluating if we continue on this path, the way we're doing parenting now, where could it possibly lead? And make adjustments to bring it in alignment with God's word and his truth. Not what the world says, but what his word says. I want to ask you, if you will, uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. We're not going to have an invitation this morning. I gave you all this information. And I hope God can use it in your life. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward if they would. Father, we just thank you again for your goodness, Lord. And Lord, uh, Lord, we know that parenting is, is a big task. For any of us who've ever gone through it, it's the hardest thing we've ever had to do. And Father, I just pray for those that are here today that, that uh, or maybe they're in the trenches right now. Father, your word is so clear about what this needs to look like. And Father, I just pray that you'll continue to, to, to help the training to not just stop here, but to continue, that, they, that parents will, will continue to make an investment in what it means to be the parent you've called them to be, whether it's through a class. I know we're even offering a class on that now, to whatever it may be. Father, I pray for those that are here this morning. I look around and see some younger people here, those who are just starting out. Maybe they don't even have a relationship with someone right now, but Lord, you know, and they're looking at their life, and they have great aspirations of becoming a, a, a parent one day. Father, help them to realize that they can start preparing now to what that's going to look like. And Father, for those of us who have raised our children, and now we're blessed to have grandchildren, Lord, I know we all have made mistakes. Lord, I know I have regrets as a parent. 
the things I wish I'd have paid more attention to, the things I wish I'd have done differently. But Father, help us to realize that maybe as grandparents, we, we have a do-over. <laughs> and Father, I pray you'll give us wisdom and discernment to, to best come alongside of our, our children and raising their children. Father, again, we thank you for what you're going to do. Father, take this offering and use it as we continue to do what you call us to do, to reach people. In Jesus' name.